That's a hockey, you know, it's only, it's only game. Young men expressing themselves for joy. Why do you have to be mad? These guys are jerks. It's only game. It's a cheap dirty game. It's only game. Why do you have to be mad? Hello and you are very welcome once again to the Cupful Stat Attack Podcast. This is episode 6. This week's show is slightly abbreviated due to some festive commitments on my end, but we'll have plenty of action for you, including an interview with Colin Plump, the manager of Dude Where's Macar in Södertälje, who are now one of only two remaining unbeaten teams in the Cupful. Uh, Colin was a really interesting interview, so stay tuned for that. As well as that, we'll go through the top five teams overall, the team of the week, hot and not, the best players over the last seven days, and the matchup of the week. But we'll start this week with our interview with Colin Plump. As I mentioned earlier, Colin is the manager of Dude Where's Macar in Södertälje, who have been regularly near the top of the overall point standings. They are 10-0-0 after last week. Um, I chatted to Colin yesterday about his fantasy strategy, which includes not playing goaltenders, so a really interesting insight into uh, how that works for him. I also chatted to Colin about why he was ejected from a Detroit Red Wings game, as well as naming his firstborn son after one of his fantasy hockey players. Okay, this week's guest is Colin Plump, manager of Dude Where's Macar in Södertälje in Tier 4 of the Cupful. And going into Week 9, Colin was one of only three managers remaining unbeaten in this season's Cupful with a record of 9-0-0. Colin, you are very welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Marcus. Glad to finally be doing this. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Um, it's great to have somebody on who's still unbeaten at this stage of the season. And if I may, again, not jinx you by saying you look like you're going to win in game week 10 and make it 10 out of 10. It looks like it. I had a pretty big day yesterday and my opponent, uh, I don't think, had the day he wanted, but I'm not complaining. I don't know. You probably haven't checked up on the other two teams who are unbeaten going into this week. Um, I can tell you that one of them look like they are going to lose and one of them look like they are going to win. So it's going to be neck and neck between you and Final one other two. team. Yeah, uh, no pressure. Yeah, and, and I have a pretty tough opponent. I think next week I play the guy who's in fourth and the week after the guy in third. So, Right, yeah, okay. Some Good luck. Coming up. <laughs> can you just tell me a bit about yourself, where you're from, what team you follow and so on? Uh, so I'm from St. Albert, Alberta, Canada. It's uh, just north of Edmonton. I'm a diehard Red Wings fan. Uh, okay. happened since I think I was like five. My dad took me to my first Oilers game and it was against the Wings. Uh, told me to watch Steve Eiserman, best captain in the NHL kind of thing. Eiserman scored and I was hooked since then. My least favorite team is the Edmonton Oilers because <laughs> I put up with them all the time. It's all anybody talks about, him and them and Connor McDavid. Good stuff. Um, do you have a favorite player uh, of all time? Would Eiserman be up there or maybe Datsyuk or somebody else? Eiserman's up there uh, just because of the leadership and, and everything he did. But yeah, yeah watching Datsuk, I you know, I went to every game I could when Detroit was here. Just man. No nobody as skilled as that guy was. Yeah, I was lucky enough to get to see him uh, playing against Boston in twenty thirteen. Um he was one of the players who I really wanted to see while I was uh, while I was able to and while he was playing. Yeah, he was something else. One question I have for you, Colin, that I haven't actually asked anyone before. Do you have an interesting fact about yourself? Ooh. Okay, so I maybe two. So okay. the first one, uh, second one is maybe a bit of a story. But the first one, when I first started fantasy hockey, uh, me and my leagues, or me and my friends started a league, and it was a keeper league, and I got Patrick Kane with the eighth overall pick. I've kept him every single year. I actually left that league, started a new league, 
made sure I got Patrick Kane, probably took him earlier than I should. Uh, and then me and my wife had our first child 18 months ago, and we wanted a hockey name, and <laughs> she let me name him Kane. So my <laughs> son is named after my long-term hockey <laughs> keeper. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. And uh, yeah, she wouldn't let me name him Pavel or uh, Stevie or Gordy. So <laughs> feel, yeah. And then the other story is, so my wife took me to Detroit probably like six, seven years ago. I had to go see some games, and I threw an octopus on the ice <laughs> and uh, got in a lot of trouble. They took me <laughs> out of the arena. They threatened to give me a $5,000 fine, and I think he said, with five minutes of paperwork, I can make it so you're not allowed back in this country for five years. <laughs> and I, I basically had to tell them, I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm sorry. won't happen again. So they let me go, and then uh, I have it on video. So I was thinking I should probably post it in the cacuffle. So yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty um, good. You can post it in maybe in the comments when we when we launch tomorrow's podcast. Okay, yeah. So yeah. so people can follow along. Um are you barred from Detroit or from seeing the Red Wings again? I'm I'm welcome back. They they actually they wanted my ID and everything and I told them that well, my girlfriend at the time had all of it. So they went to go find her and when they couldn't find her, they just said, Okay, get out of here. So uh, did so, you miss much of the game because of it or was it at the last end? Fi- last five minutes. <laughs> Brilliant. So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, yeah, that was good. So you mentioned there that you've played in keeper leagues for a few years. Um, I can see on Yahoo you're diamond level manager with a win record of 0.678. You're unbeaten, obviously, yeah. in the couple this season. You have a pretty strong fantasy hockey pedigree, I would say. Uh, not yeah, it's it's been. I mean, I don't want to sound uh, arrogant no. or anything, right? But go, yeah, go it's been it. pretty good. Um, I, you know what? The first couple of years, I didn't really take it super serious, but I'm I'm a pretty competitive guy. And so as I kind of started to have success, I wanted to run with it more and joined a few more leagues and just been winning. <laughs> How yeah. many leagues are you in this season? Uh, three. So okay. I'm in a one points league similar to Kakuffle, uh, one categories league, and then Kakuffle. It sounds like the exact same as me. One cats league, one yeah. points league, and the Kakuffle. Yeah. Your team in Sodatalja in Tier 4, Dude mm-hmm. Wears Makar, I don't think I need to ask you to explain the name. Um, did you pick the name after you drafted Makar, or did you draft uh, Makar because of the name? Well, I, I, okay, I don't want to say like I created the name or anything, right? But uh, <laughs> in the playoffs last year, I, I thought of Dude Wears Makar. And going into the draft this year, I knew I was going to draft Makar. Like I, I would take him early if I had to. I didn't care. I wanted Makar. Yeah. And so I kind of had the name picked but i didn't have the player like i don't know i don't know if i would have went with the name if i didn't have the player okay yeah i, I did that <laughs> i did that yeah. in the couple actually i picked uh rantanen as my team name rantanen raven and oh, yeah. uh yeah i didn't get him <laughs> oh, well and then in one of my other leagues and i think this is a creative one i came up with it myself but uh my team name is malkin cookies <laughs> and and i've never had malkin so i i don't really care about uh having the yeah. player or not i just want the good name yeah there's a bit of creative license there you can uh you can use yeah. a good team name when you have it you don't have to have the player how have you found the couple season so far i mean you're 9 and 0 going on to 10 and 0 you're not going to say you've had it difficult no well i was actually looking at it it's it's been a pretty I, some weeks they're all close right like they're all close until that saturday when you hope that your team is the one that blows up yeah uh, but in like week four i was playing a uh, spurgeon fishing i think his name is yeah. And that was one of yeah. the lowest scoring matchups of the week. I think. Yeah, I, I I looked at it. I was the lowest scoring winning team in our division. Like, yeah, you know, I could my streak could have been over in, in week four or something. Right. So 
it's uh there's there's some luck that goes into it but everybody in the league is is pretty talented and and is constantly picking up players which is nice it's it's always nice to have active gms yeah i can see on that week that you were talking about there week four you were the 233rd ranked team in in terms of points in the cupful um so there were only maybe 19 teams below you and one of them just happened to be the team you were playing against so a little bit a little bit of luck there so lucky but i'll take it yeah i mean overall you've deserved your luck because i think you're you're currently um going into this week anyway you were third overall in the cupful in terms of total points so you certainly haven't been lucky in terms of your your standing. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I really can't complain about much. The players have been great. In terms of the the draft itself, then the Cupful draft, you went uh, position number seven. Um, you're one position ahead of Ryan McLaughlin, who was our interview in week two. Um, did you have much interaction with Ryan, or did you notice? Yeah, he he's a uh, he's always talking, right? In the yeah. In the draft he was, in the group chat, in the league he is. I think he started a Discord for everybody. I think he made a few comments uh, throughout the draft about, you know, sniping players and uh, yeah. players that he wanted that were taken kind of thing. And then uh, with my last pick, when I drafted a goalie, it was my first goalie, and he was the first one. Oh, he finally picks a goalie. So, <laughs> And that goalie never played a game for me. So That was Koskinen, I think, was it? Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is probably a good way to get into your strategy. You don't employ any goaltenders. No, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to go on a rant or anything. But last year I was in the Kakuffle, and yeah. I found goalies so so heavily penalized, and it was like a major tilt. I can't even remember who my goalies were, but I hated it. And so going into this year, my my strategy was to just scrap goalies entirely and go for players because they can't be penalized, right? There's no yeah. positive uh, points only. Yeah, and I was uh, Ryan actually speaking of him, uh, messaged me probably week three or four and kind of asked why I don't go with goalies. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought the best way to describe it was as a Red Wings fan, I could have 16 players on my fantasy team that all play for the Red Wings. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if the guy I'm playing has Jimmy Howard and Jonathan Bernier and they lose 10, nothing. Well, I'm going to end up with positive points because my players are taking shots, hits, blocks, whatever, mm-hmm. but he's going to lose 20 points yeah. uh, just for the goalies. And it's a team game, right? Like, and I, I'm not four plus minus. Like, I don't think it's a good way to uh, judge a player's value. Yeah. But in a fantasy hockey league, I do like that players get penalized for something. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm going to take this moment to, uh, if I could change anything in the cuffle, uh, Elon and Brian in the summer they had that yeah uh, bracket, bracket rule change. Yeah. Yeah. And the penalty minutes. Penalty minutes, getting a yeah. minus for penalty minutes, I think that would be awesome. Yeah. I think there needs to be a way for players to be penalized, not just goalies. Yeah. I mean, taking a penalty on the ice in, in real life and in, in real hockey penalizes your team. You're going down mm-hmm. a man, you know, the, you're increasing the chances of the other team scoring. So why not? Exactly. And, and it, it makes some of those players like Evander Kane and Brady Kachuk and, you know, like high risk, high reward. Yeah, they'll take. Lots of hits, but you know, in in the way it is now, if Evander Kane gets a, a two, a five, and a ten, no, he just misses the rest of the game. Right? Yeah. But in fantasy hockey and in real hockey, like that's hurting. That should hurt the team. Yeah. So, you know, maybe he's going to lose eight points or something crazy for it, but that's just part of taking Evander Kane and Brady Kachuk. Yeah, one of the leagues that I'm in, uh, the categories league that I'm in, actually counts uh, PIMS as a positive, um, which is, it's not a league that I have much influence over, so it's not it's not something I can kind of suggest that they change, really. But um, yeah, I don't know, it doesn't sit right with me that I'm 
you know, hoping that my player is going to get a 10-minute misconduct or whatever. Yeah, going to fight somebody or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. So, Elon and Brian, if you're listening, that's for next year's bracket challenge. Yeah. Penalize players for something. Hashtag penalize players. Get it going. (laughs) Get it trending. Um, Just then, so sticking with uh, the last question I asked around your your strategy with goaltenders, do you find it more difficult then to... Uh, fit the players into your roster during the week when you have more players, or do you find yourself leaving players on the bench more often? Do you have to look at? Uh, do you have to look maybe that little bit extra at uh, off day schedules, that kind of thing? So I really haven't had a lot of issues this week. I had a few issues. I sat Brock Nelson at Bertuzzi yesterday, who got points. Yeah. Um, but I like and this is part of my strategy and my prep. I usually sit down and try and look at the next three weeks, uh, yeah. and I and I do all my lineups kind of thing, right? To see who I would be sitting. And uh, like I had every, I picked up Everly a week or so ago uh, to stream in. Scored his first two goals, my first game with him. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and then looking at it, it was like, okay, on this day, Everly's off my team, right? He's not going to play anymore. Yeah. Uh, but with the utility spots, you know, the chances are like you're always going to be able to play players. Yeah. So they give you that little bit of extra flexibility. Yeah. When you are preparing for your drafts, um, do you do much prep? Do you do many mock drafts? Do you build spreadsheets or do you use pre-built spreadsheets? Or uh, So I use a couple spreadsheets, um, but I, I usually modify them in my own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I do a lot of mock drafts, but it's usually just to kind of see where players are going. Uh, this year, in one of my leagues, we did an auction draft because like, we just started over. Yeah. And I did uh, a lot of mock auction drafts. And those were basically useless because you get a couple of computers in there and they just they overbid for every single player and it just kind of yeah. wrecks it. But uh, yeah, not a ton of mock drafts this year for uh, Kakupful and Points League. Okay, so looking at your Kakupful draft then, you took Pasternak in the first round, then went with Eichel, uh, Roman Josie, Morgan Riley, Klingberg. So you went with three D-men in the first five. Actually, you went Darlene and Makar then the next two rounds. So you went five D-men in a row. Is that a deliberate strategy? Yeah, so going into the draft, I knew I wanted to lock up as many good defensemen as I could, Mm -hmm. uh, which is really just value over replacement. In so many years, you end up with, you know, two or three good defensemen, and then you have a couple that just aren't doing anything. And so I wanted to make sure I had five defensemen that anybody would want. And if they were underperforming or overperforming or whatever, I could always sell them, right? Yeah. Uh, it's easier to sell them than to try and buy to buy them. Yeah, exactly. And um, you've had a couple of uh, IR concerns maybe with Klingberg, Makar, uh, Manta, Druan. You've lost a few players this season. We had Darlene was on there for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, there's been... Uh, quite a few, but but part of not having goalies is uh, is having so many bench players that I've kind of been able to to make up for it. Yeah, that's a, a positive side to that strategy, anyway. And in the seventeenth round, you went with Victor Olofsson. Um, did you take a bit of a chance with him? You kind of you got lucky there, or was that something that you had planned? I had a planned. Uh, okay, so just another so some strategies, some sources to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listened to the Spit and Chicklets podcast. Yes, uh, with uh, Biz Nasty and Whitney. Yeah, and over the summer they they were talking to McKinnon. I know, I, I know the exact interview you're talking about, and he was talking about how good McCarr was. Right, and it yeah. was like, okay, if McKinnon is saying this about McCarr, he's going to be good, right? So uh, let's lock him up. I can remember the exact part of the road that I was on on my commute home from work when McKinnon said that about McCarr. It really struck me as well. 
Yeah. I actually, uh, I actually um, put money on McCarr to uh, to win the Calder. Oh really? Based, based on that, yeah. Looking pretty good, except for uh, Olsen's heating up. Which yeah. also the same podcast, or not the same episode, but uh, Whitney was saying when he played over in Russia or whatever league he was in, yeah. that he played with Olsen and that this kid's snapshot was unreal and he's going to be a goal scorer, look out for him kind of thing. And and that there was, okay, Olsen with Eichel, yeah, I'll, I'll take the chance on that. That's really cool. That's really cool. So you're not just taking uh, statistical sources, you're taking kind of um, advice from other podcasts and former pros. Yeah, and you got to remember, like, who players enjoy playing with, right? That's such a, yeah. a big thing. Like, Detroit, back in the day, Datsuk liked playing with Thomas Holmstrom. Yeah. Holmstrom could barely skate, but, you know, <laughs> he, he got all these points from standing there, right? So Yeah, yeah, tip-ins. Just in terms of trades, then, in your division, you haven't made any trades. I think maybe earlier in the season you put a few players on the trading block. Um, have there been many approaches made, or have you turned down a few? Uh, I've I've made a few, like... I'm not a big trader. I'm always so nervous about it. And then I put it out there. Like I had a bunch of defensemen. I wanted to move uh, Vatnin and Fox and, you know, just kind of maybe provide somebody with some defensive depth because mm. uh, Darlene was coming back and no takers. So I just dropped Fox and off I went. I actually noticed when I was looking at your draft that you had quite a few Red Wings. So I should have probably tweaked that you were a Red Wings fan. Um, yeah. You have Mike, Mike Green, Athanasiu, Bertuzzi, is that something that your and, head... And Mantha. And Mantha, yeah. yeah. Did your heart rule your head there, maybe? Well, I knew I wanted Mantha. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of them, I, I didn't really care about as much. Uh, but as the draft went on, and I'm looking at these players, it was it gets so tough. Like You just don't know who to take, right? And you mm-hmm. know when I know that I wanted Olofsson so late, and, and even Koskinen, middle-late round picks, I, I had no idea. And so I'm sitting there, and it's like, oh, well... At least I got to cheer for the Red Wings, so I took all these guys. If you're going to be watching them a lot, I guess you might as well own a few of them. Yeah. And, um, and hey, if they're going to be bad and they're not going to lose points, who cares? Exactly. <laughs> Hashtag penalized players. <laughs> um, one player who I've seen coming up quite a few times in your moves is Andrew Shaw. Uh, I think yeah. you brought, brought him in three times. No idea. No idea why. <laughs> I think he must, he must have just had a good schedule or something and everybody else was taken. Yeah, there, there's have... no rhyme or reason to that. Okay. You have um, three players in your team at the moment who stuck out to me. Um, Brock Nelson, Joel Armia, and Philip Dano. Um, mm-hmm. You must be happy with their performances this year. They're Yeah, well, they. Uh, I think all of them were, I brought into stream, really. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when it gets tough, right? When you, you bring in these players to stream and they end up staying on your team and you don't know who to drop anymore. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a positive complaint to have. That's a good complaint. Yeah. That, that means you're doing something right. So can you tell me what a typical cuckupful week looks like for you? You've said that you kind of plan three weeks out, uh, three weeks in advance. Um, are you busy on a Sunday and a Monday at the start of a week, or how, how do you work that? Yeah, so that's actually spot on. So Sunday nights, I usually sit down and kind of plan out the, the schedule coming up, right? Uh, I want to make sure I know who I'm going to pick up and when I'm going to pick them up. And then Monday morning, once the the stats have rolled over kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, then I then I look at individual players for you know who i think is really underperforming and needs to be gone and who's overperforming and kind of I, I usually make my decisions on who i'm going to play monday morning okay uh, you mentioned earlier that you uh, you have a wife with an interest in hockey as well um it's true that she has a team in the cupful as well yeah so about like a week before the season 
uh, Elon and Brian were looking for underrepresented, I don't know, if, I don't say minorities or looking for like a female and whatever to play. So yeah, she put her name in. Cool. And do you uh, share much advice between the two of you or are you competitive? Well, so she's in another league with me and we're relatively competitive in that. Oh, she actually just texted me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, her ears must be ringing. Uh, but she she's pretty pretty passive, right? She does it just for fun, just gives her something to to do and to watch, and another just another thing we have in common, right? Right. So uh, she'll she'll ask me for a lot of questions, a lot of advice, but I don't ask her a ton. You know what they say: couples who play fantasy hockey together stay together. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you could give one piece of advice to a couple player in their first season of fantasy hockey, what would it be? Ooh. Uh, don't draft goalies. Don't play goalies. Yeah, d- don't draft goalies. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what? Don't don't be a warm body. Be engaged. You know, there's I've lost lots of weeks to people who all they do is set their lineup, and you're thinking like, you know, of course this player who hasn't got a point in ten games just got a hat trick against me, right? Mm-hmm. And you can win weeks just by just by participating. Yeah. Um, you know, and kind of seeing how things go and and take it from there. Good. The final question I have for you, Colin, is um, for your all-time favorite fantasy hockey player. And um, so this is something I've asked everybody so far. I'm interested to know now. Probably Patrick Kane would be a contender, I guess. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I have to say Patrick Kane. I named my son after him. But you know what? I find it changes from year to year and league to league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Kane's been a staple in my teams, and I've got Pasternak now in two leagues. Uh, I've always liked Jack Eichel. It it varies, but if I had to pick one, Patrick Kane's my boy. Good stuff. Okay, thanks a million for coming on um, this morning, Colin. I know it's early in Edmonton, and uh, I really appreciate you uh, probably getting up early to to chat to me. Oh, yeah, no problem, Marcus. I I would do it every weekend if you wanted me to. (laughs) I might call you up on that. Anytime. Massive thanks once again to Colin for coming on on a Sunday morning, um, particularly when I screwed up the time zone difference and left him waiting for half an hour in his office. So really appreciate your patience with me, Colin, and really, really interesting interview, really nice guy, really interesting to talk to, um, particularly around the strategy of not drafting goaltenders. Uh, He has quite a few strong opinions on that. We've all seen that goalies have been voodoo this season, um, and for a couple of seasons. It's very hard when setting up a league of the size of the Cacupful to... uh, get the balance right between overvaluing undervaluing or just getting it just right and it's it's really really hard so um myself and colin spoke um off the record afterwards uh, and just basically agreed that to set up a, a small fantasy hockey league for you know 12 teams or so is a difficult thing but to set one up for 252 teams people with different opinions is is really tough so we don't begrudge uh, elon and brian Uh, their job on that but we really appreciate the work that they do and you know all feedback i'm sure brian and elon will take it um in the nature that it's intended and we're we're both really happy with the cupful and these suggestions and these uh, opinions are obviously minor minor tweaks and just to give you a few examples of what colin's strategy has done for him not playing goaltenders has resulted in him topping the entire cupful in goals scored assists and shots on goal So the lack of goaltender starts has given him that much of a boost that he actually tops each of those categories. Now it's time to take a look at the top scoring players over the last seven days. And in goals, it's Jacob Markstrom of the Vancouver Canucks. Now, Markstrom wasn't exceptional, but he did get to play four games. In those four games, he only had one win. He allowed 10 goals, 
but he had 122 saves and one shutout. So his one win and shutout uh, got him quite a few points there. He had 26.7 points over the week. The top two performing D-men were Mark Giordano of the Calgary Flames and Shea Theodore of the Vegas Golden Knights. Giordano had 24.75 fantasy points in four games with zero goals, only three assists, only nine shots, only one hit, but 22 blocks. Incredible number of blocks there, averaging over five blocks a game. Theodore, on the other hand, had zero goals, but five assists and 11 shots with three blocks as well to complement that for 22 points from four games, so just over five fantasy points a game. At left wing is another Vegas Golden Knights player. It's Max Pacioretty. So in four games last week, Pacioretty had 42 fantasy points averaging over 10 points a game he had five goals three assists 19 shots and four hits at right wing was another player who averaged over 10 fantasy points in the cupful last week it's anthony duclair of the ottawa senators duclair had five goals one assist 10 shots four hits and two blocks combining for a total of 32.5 fantasy points And the centre of the week was Jack Eichel of the Buffalo Sabres, again with three games, 33 fantasy points, he had five goals, one assist, 12 shots and three blocks. So that means that the player of the week for game week 10 was Max Pacioretty. Over the last 30 days, Pacioretty has been ranked 4th in scoring in the Cupful. He has 9 goals, 9 assists, 65 shots, 21 hits and 7 blocks in that time for a total of 108.75 fantasy points, which is actually more than the likes of David Pasternak, Patrick Kane, Connor McDavid and many, many others. Patch's owners will be particularly happy with the shots on goal tally there, 65 shots in his last 16 games, which leads the league in that time span. He's currently 90% owned on Yahoo, but 100% owned in the Cupful. So if you're looking to pick him up, you'll need to make a trade. Going into game week 10, we had three unbeaten teams in the Cupful. Uh, unfortunately, we've lost one of those unbeaten records with Walk with Elias and Jacob F having been defeated in game week 10. And the two remaining teams, as I mentioned earlier, Colin Plomp's uh, Dude Wears Macar in Sodertalja and the Sundeer Sharks in William. So both of those rocking a 10-0-0 record and battling it out to be the last remaining unbeaten Cupful team. And unfortunately, at the opposite end of the standings then, we have Cornis Iron in Binghamton and SBHC in Ludwig still looking for their first matchup win of the season. The very best of luck to all four of those teams in game week 11. And now it's time for the top 5 overall teams in the Cupful, sorted by points. At number 5, it's a new entry for the first time this season, it's Ben Burnett and Tuca and Bertie in San Jose. Ben has been steady this season, he has never been lower than 34th and he has been progressing since week 5. Last week he was number 6, so just outside the top 5, and this week he has made his way into the top 5 overall. With a record of 9 wins and 1 defeat, Ben has been top of the San Jose division since way back in week 1. He has not let that position slip once all season, so fully deserving of his place in the overall top 5 this week. At number 4, Ghetto Avenue Boys, again a new entry into the top 5, up from number 11 last week. Uh, in Frolunda, uh, their manager is AKA Randy Marsh. I take it that's probably not their real name, but uh, congrats to uh, to Randy and the Ghetto Avenue boys on their entry into the top five. At number three, it's Microsoft Excel in Anton. Again, my favorite team name. They have maintained their position in the top five for the third week in a row, down one position from two last week. And going the opposite direction, up from number three to number two, is Colin Plomp and Dude Where's McCarr. We spoke to Colin earlier in the show. 
and fully deserving of his place with his unique strategy on uh, not employing goaltenders. Colin has shown us all what he's capable of. And at number one for the ninth week in a row, it's Tom Crowhurst and epic kneel time of Binghampton. Now, unfortunately, Tom, I do have to once again point out that the gap is narrowing. So there are now two teams within 35 points of your total. Microsoft Excel and Dude Where's Macar. So keep looking over your shoulder, Tom. They are coming for you thick and fast. Now, it just so happens that one of the top five overall teams was also the team of the week last week. And that honour goes to Ghetto Avenue Boys in Frolunda Tier 3. Congratulations to Randy Marsh and I look forward to welcoming you onto the show at some point in the near future. Randy's team last week comprised of such elite performers as Elias Pedersen, Brock Nelson, Anthony Duclair, Mark Giordano with his 22 blocks. Who else do we have? Jonathan Taze, Artemi Panarin, Patrick Kane and in goals David Riddich. So a truly star-studded team there in Frolunda. Top of the standings at 8-2-0 and looking really strong for the remainder of the season with that roster. And just to bring the show full circle, I have to point out that the second best team last week, just less than one point behind Ghetto Avenue boys, was Golofsson in Simon, which is in Tier 5. And why is that relevant, I hear you ask? Well, Golofsson are actually the team who are managed by Colin Plomp's wife. So a super talented family there when it comes to fantasy hockey. And you can be sure that Kane is going to grow up to be just the same. Unfortunately, due to time constraints this week, I won't have time for a deep dive. So to close out today's show, I'm going to have a look at Hot and Not and see which players have been dropped or picked up the most in cupful divisions over the last seven days. Starting with the Knots and in goals for the Arizona Coyotes, it's Antti Ranta whose ownership has dropped from 89% down to 50% in cupful. So he's owned in half the cupful divisions at this point. Next up, it's two Boston Bruins. It's Zdeno Chara and Charlie Coyle. Both of their ownerships have dropped by 39% also with Coyle going from 78% down to 39% and Chara from 56 down to 17 Next up, it's Barkley Goodrow of the San Jose Sharks. Triple eligibility centre, left wing and right wing hasn't helped him out. He's dropped from 67% down to 11%, which is a drop of 56%. And in some very unfortunate circumstances, all our best wishes go out to Oscar Lindblom, who has been dropped in all bar two of the Kukupful divisions. Lindblom, of course, has been diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma which rules him out for the rest of the season, more or less. And all our best wishes go to Oscar Lindblom and the Philadelphia Flyers organisation as they look to rebound from this terrible, terrible news. And to close out today's show, on a more positive note, I'm going to give you a list of seven uh, players whose ownership has increased over the past seven days. They are a 39% increase for Ryan Donato, Valerie Nishuskin, Josh Levo and Callie Yarncrock. A 44% increase for Philip Zadina and Braden McNabb. And a 61% increase from 22% owned right up to 83% owned last week for Alexander Georgiev of the New York Rangers. And that's it for today's show. We have reached the halfway point of the Cupful regular season. As always, it's been my pleasure to bring you all the stats from around the league. Thanks again to Colin Plump and to all the guests who I've had on so far this season. I look forward to welcoming more as the weeks go by and if anybody would like to appear as a guest on the show make sure you hit me up on the Facebook group. I will be back next Monday with a new show but until then all the best with your game weeks in game week 11 and I'll chat to you soon.